Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kenya. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideOfDetroit.com. Eric, Lions finished a gutty victory over the New yeah. York Jets on Sunday. They they squeaked out of their 2017 win. Didn't score an offensive touchdown until what two minutes left in the game. Yeah, it was it was, it was a wild one, and then uh, it's. Uh, the Jets kind of blow it at the end. They're making their move to try to come down and tie, and they have some poor clock management yeah. situations, and they luckily miss the field goal, and we get out of there. Yeah, look, it's that's part of it, right? You got to learn the to win ugly, and uh, the blowouts are fine, uh, and and you know the two score games are, are are nice as well, but you you have to learn to win ugly, and, uh, and against sure a good. Did. Yeah, against a good defense on the road. Good and, defense, uh, but without Quinn and Williams. Yep, certainly. Uh, but the thing with the Jets is, I mean, they're deep, right? They got a, a right. very good deep defense, good scheme, good coaches. Uh, and so they were as advertised, I would say. So yeah, it was a good win at the end of the day. You learn to win a different way. And, uh, you know, you just, you take it and and you just move one step closer uh, towards the postseason it's closer to securing that wild card berth first time in oh, our yeah. show's history where we've been we're going to be actively talking about them yeah. being in this wild card hunt now they're truly in the thick of it at seven and seven so let's go straight to the transactions uh craig reynolds has been activated from ir so but does he are they going to bring him back right away i think well, the rotation they got is pretty good right now yeah, like the the reason they activated him was because Justin Jackson was sick, and uh, if you if you have I don't know if you noticed, but he was added to the injury report on Saturday with an illness, and so I think they were worried he might not be ready to go, and so they activated uh, Reynolds is a, like a insurance option basically. Right. And then when, when Jackson was ready, they, uh, they made Kennedy or Reynolds inactive. And so it was no big deal. Uh, they just had him up for insurance reasons. And then um, I, you could very well run into that same scenario again this week. If you, if they only want to go with three, uh, especially against Carolina, where I think they're going to be more passing. Uh, I do think they probably only keep three. And, and so somebody's probably going to sit, and with uh, Jackson's efficiency of late, and then you add in his the fact that he's a starting kick returner, and he does a, a whole bunch of other things on like different uh, special teams units as well. Yeah, I do think Reynolds may end up finding himself on on the uh, inactive list again. All right. Speaking of the odd man out, Tom Kennedy was released, and then he was re-signed to the practice squad. So with the receiving core a lot healthier. I don't yeah. know if we're going to see much of Tom Kennedy over these last few weeks. Yeah, it would take something happening, an injury or something along those lines in order to get uh, Kennedy back up. But the uh, the other practice squad wide receivers that they have, they've all used at least two of their elevations, whereas now Tom has a, his, a full open slate of them. So he could be elevated each game if they wanted to, and um, it just gives them another option in the receiving core quarterback josh dobbs for anybody that remembers was signed by the titans <laughs> signed off of the practice squad titans were thin at quarterback so they uh decided to grab dobbs 
Yeah, it, and, and Dobbs was in, was elevated by the Lions last week, and a lot of people couldn't figure out exactly why. And my guess is they were elevating him so that he would get a game check, and they were trying to convince him to stick around as QB3. And in order to do that, they have the option to uh, give him an increased salary on the practice squad, uh, but it is it does ta- it does tap out at, at a certain level. And when he goes if with the option opportunity in Tennessee by them signing him off the roster, the Lions practice squad, he goes onto their roster for at least three weeks, which means that's at least three game checks. So that's a lot more money for Dobbs better opportunity to see the field because of the injuries that Tennessee's going through. So he took it. You got to remember, he also played his college ball at the university of Tennessee, right? So mm-hmm. it's a uh, going back home and uh, more money, better opportunity. You got to understand why he uh, yeah. would take, take no it. reason to stick around. So yeah. in his place, the Lions signed Steven Montez to the practice squad. Who's been, this isn't his first go around with the Lions. Yep. No. Yeah. He was, he was here previously and um, just an, a, another guy that they can bring in injury report, fullback, Jason Cabinda, the illness he's out. Uh, the lions had to readjust their travel schedule because of the winter storm that's headed towards Michigan and, or, I mean, I guess it's in Michigan that, now, right? We, we, we can talk in the present tense, even though it doesn't matter <laughs> for anybody listening, because they'll probably all be listening hours after that. But the <laughs> the rain is falling. It's still warm, but the rain's falling, and we're, we got one coming. Um, And so because the, the storm was coming, the Lions had to make a decision earlier in the week on if they wanted to leave before the storm would hit, or if they just wanted to gamble that the storm was going to be okay and keep their standard travel day being the day before the game, which would be Friday because it's a Saturday game. So they opted to take the earlier travel day so that they could get all their equipment out there and everything, avoid the storm. And so they left on Thursday instead of Friday. I think because they left on Thursday, because the game was on a Saturday instead of a Sunday, those couple of days earlier uh, in travel may have impacted Cabinda's availability, right? Like if they were would have left on a Saturday like normal, he would have had an extra 48 hours to, to get better. But because they left earlier, um, he maybe just he just probably wasn't able to kick the, the illness in time, and so he'll miss the game. Center Frank Ragnow, foot injury. He's going to be questionable, but he's on this injury report every week. Yeah, and they've said he's going to play. Um, Frank Ragnow, uh, the only Lions player nominated to the Pro Bowl uh, this year, spoke to the media about that nomination. And, you know, he's, he, he's, they wouldn't make him available like that if he was injured. And so, uh, and, and like I said, Campbell basically said he's playing anyways. So, uh, should be good to go without issue. One Pro Bowler, nine all alternates. Uh, line, yeah. line back. Le- left tackle Taylor Decker, elbow injury is not listed as having an injury. Yeah, so he just he took it easier earlier in the week. They have to give a reason why they're giving him some time off. Uh, so they went from elbow to ankle, back to elbow again. Um, but he doesn't carry designation, which means he's good to go. Decker is one of those nine alternates. Right guard Evan Brown, ankle injury, not listed with an injury. Yeah, so his um, his ankle is the ankle that kept him out of the games prior. So that one's probably a little bit more legitimate. But again, I think this, like with Decker, was a, 
a rest period earlier in the week just to make sure he's fully ready. Offensive tackle Matt Nelson, also not injury-related, not as listed with an injury. <laughs> yeah, he had a day off on, on Wednesday, uh, a non-injury day off, and so they got to list him on the injury report because of it, uh, but it seems like it's a non-issue. Guard, Coyote Oshwika, ankle injury, he's out. Yeah, still out, third game in a row, right? So um, they've got enough bodies on the offensive line that they can uh, weather that storm. Uh, but uh, he was a guy that they liked, so it's a little bit of a downgrade going from him to, you know, either uh, Pierschbacher or uh, or Stenberg or Skipper, whoever they might need to rely on. Defensive tackle Michael Brockers, illness, not listed with an injury. This is surprising to even see his name. <laughs> where's, where's Michael Brockers been for weeks? Well, he was he was ill last week, and so he didn't make the trip to New York. And so I think because he didn't make the trip to New York, he shows up. I think he's required to show up on the injury report next week, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's how it works. So, like, if you're if you're ruled out ahead of the time, you're going to be on the report the next week, no matter what. So, um, yeah, he practiced in full every day. Um, he will be ready to go, and then he will be a healthy scratch. Linebacker Derek Barnes, knee injury, questionable. It's not looking like he's going to play. Well, he was limited all week, so it's still kind of on the fence, right? Um, he hasn't played the last couple of weeks, so I could definitely see them say, hey, you know, didn't get a full practice in, so therefore you're not ready, and therefore you're going to be out. Uh, but I could also see them say, hey, you know, you only give us 10, 12 snaps a game, so maybe we'll give you a little bit of an acclimation process, keep you, put you in. Uh, just a matter of which other bodies do they have to rule out. Safety, Deshaun Elliott, shoulder injury, out. Yeah, this, is a, this one's difficult, right? Because um, he's a captain, he's a contributor in the run game, in the passing game, and so he will be a guy that will be difficult to replace. Uh, Dan Campbell was asked about that today uh, or Thursday, and um, he said, well, he essentially said Kirby's going to be on one side and then the other one, um, they're going to give both CJ Moore and uh, Malafonwu some time. They, they plan on giving Malafonwu some looks. And so um, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Like logic says it would be CJ Moore. And uh, but at the same time, Campbell pointed to the fact that Malafonwu has been up and healthy for a while and. He needs to be tested a little bit as well. He's got the athleticism and, you know, they made this switch for a reason. And so he might get some looks. Now, the last time we saw a situation like this uh, was back in week three. Uh, Tracy Walker was injured and Juju Hughes was the guy who replaced him in game. And then Kirby Joseph was named the starter next week. This incident, in this instance, Deshaun Elliott or Deshaun Elliott was injured. CJ Moore replaced him. We'll see if it ends up being more again, or if maybe they go back and they, they give it to Melifanu. It's really just this whole meritocracy, right? Where like the best player who's playing in the week is going to be the guy who gets to start. And maybe it's Melifanu. Maybe it's more. We'll, we'll find out on uh Saturday. Outside of the Elliott injury, the team is rather healthy and mm -hmm. very odd for a Lions team this late in the year. I know you talked about the new um, that health squadron they have over there that's 
reviewing all the data and all that, but it's going to be three years before they make a difference. I don't know if they're already making a difference. I don't know if the Lions are just lucky this year. Yeah, well, you know, they got, they were, they're really injured early, right? And so that those injuries early, those guys have started to come back healthy. And now those are guys are able to to contribute. And they, I think the surprising thing is that they haven't had any real new injuries outside of Elliott. And and that maybe it's a tribute to the sports science program. Maybe it's just lucky. Like you said, it's hard to tell, but they are, uh, they're, they're, they're healthy and and they're seeing the benefits of it. It's rare. The lions get lucky when it comes to health. Cause you said, well, they were injured earlier here. Now they're all healthy. It's like, well, last season, the season before we can go back several seasons, they were injured early and then injured late. (laughs) All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Jets game. We talked, uh, we mentioned a little bit, you know, Lions only mustered 20 points in the game. Seven of them were delivered by Khalif Raymond on a nice punt return uh, after the Jets' first series. Uh, So they don't score another major, as they would call it in Canadian football, until late in the fourth quarter. They do have a couple of sustained drives, you know, one one that ends up with a field goal in one spot. They miss a field goal in another spot. That opening drive that eventually sets up the Raymond touchdown is a long, I think it's a seven-play, 70-some-yard drive. They go up, you know, they rehash this. They go all the way down to the one. Can't punch it in. And uh, so they move the ball a little bit. But there was a lot of chunks of that game where the offense really wasn't clicking. Yeah, I, and I, you know, I think that's a, a tribute to the Jets' defense. I think the weather came into to play a little bit there uh, as well. Um, learning how to play in those situations isn't something they've had to do yet this season, and so uh, that's a learning experience for them. Hopefully, the next time that they come into those situations, they're going to be able to uh, to adjust to it. So. Um, I mean, look, you got a, you got an outdoor game this week where it's going to be like 39 degrees. So it should be relatively comfortable, um, considering for the time of the year. Uh, but then they've got a week 18 in, in Lambeau. So that one's going to be challenging. So getting comfortable outside, uh, is just part of the learning curve. Uh, for me though, I mean, look, they came through when they needed to. Right. Like when when they needed to come up with a play, they had a play. And and on fourth and one uh, at the end of the game, they it's that modified play that they ran was one that we've seen so many times before. It was almost like the same play that they ran where except in this version, St. Brown was in motion. Whereas the week before it was the play where Sewell was in motion, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the same plan that the same basic play. You're just switching a couple guys around and they had done the exact same play earlier in the game and they had gone to St. Brown to get the first down conversion. And so St. Brown is this is obviously their number one receiver. And, and so when they run him across the formation, he's going to draw the eyes and it's a play they've done, so the Jets are keen on that. They know Ben Johnson knows that they're going to be keen on that. The secondary is focused on um, Josh Reynolds because Josh Reynolds has been a go-to guy for Goff on third and fourth downs throughout the season. And so you got the back end guys keen on Josh Reynolds. You have the uh, the front guys keen on um, St. Brown moving across the formation. And then you do the whole fake block by Brock Wright uh, where he blocks for a second and a half and then releases and he's wide open. And 
Ben Johnson said the way that that play is designed, they knew someone was going to be open. They knew either the uh, chart running the crosser over the top was going to be open because they were going to pinch down on, on Brock or Brock was just going to be open for free. And they got the check down on him and, and he gets the, uh, the, you know, the easy first down. And then Brock Wright, who has underrated athleticism, uh, starts opening up his gate and away he goes. Right. So uh, 51 yards later, Brock Wright is the hero and, the play design is perfect. When to call it is perfect. Set it, he's the way Ben Johnson sets it up is perfect. He's he sets his play up in game and from weeks of in in previous weeks because of when he utilizes it. And so it's basically just the same concept except a variation of it. And he gives Goff multiple options on, on where to go with the ball. Like it's hard, it's a hard play to cover on on a on a short distance down, right? Because if you if you cover St. Brown, then you can't have right. If you're covering right, then you're going to open up uh, Chark over the top. If you're covering Chark, then you're going to get a one-on-one with Josh Reynolds. And so they get it's it's a very favorable play to run on those uh, third or fourth and short type of situations. Wasn't you, there's another thing too that the offensive line has just been playing so you often yeah. have to worry about a thing. <laughs> you had all day to, to to choose right and it was it was a quicker play it wasn't a slip but it, it did need some time to develop and usually yeah. it's fourth down play usually a lot of chaos but there were no issues with that one yeah. and the whole that the run jeez you know how did not one jet get to him how did right. they get him down but hey we'll take it a bad angle by the safety um a tired defensive, a tired corner chasing Josh Reynolds. Um, one of their safeties talked or one of their corners talked after the game. And he was like, he basically said, we ran halfway across the down and halfway across the field one way and then realized, oh no, he's there. And so we had to book our way all the way back across and they were just gassed. Like they were trying to get back over to him and his body, like the how big he is. It was just, it was just too big. He just ran through a couple of guys. So um, I actually, I, I, um, I believe you, you had mentioned that um, the play took a second to develop. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Wright is the third read on that play too. I don't think he's, he's like, even though he was wide open and it looks like the play was designed for him. I believe he's the third read on that play. Uh, The St. Brown is the first, uh, even if he looked like the decoy, he still has to be the indicator for the first. And then then you're looking Chark, and then you're looking back down on the check down. And I, so, yeah, so it does take a second, but Goff, I mean, Goff knew his looks and where to go uh, almost immediately. All right, Khalif Raymond, not only with the big punt return, you know, the kick to open the scoring, had a nice day uh, as a receiver, five receptions, 53 yards. Yes, he was second, right? He was second on the team. This was a day where um, the outside receivers really weren't doing a whole lot. St. Brown was doing his normal St. Brown stuff. And and Raymond was the guy who was able to step up and help them, you know, keep the plays moving. So it was a nice day for Raymond, who has really been, you know, pushed down to that fifth wide receiver role to be able to come up and uh, have a punt return for a touchdown uh, you know, be second in the team in receiving against his old team uh, to boot was a, 
It was a nice day for Raymond. He that's uh, that's why he got the game ball from Campbell after the game. All right, flipping over the defensive side of the ball, they have been able to stop the run again. Another week of this. Jets only had fifty yards rushing. One thing I do want to point out, it's a partial score, partial update. Mm-hmm. Jets are playing right now. They're oh, playing, yeah. they're hosting the Jaguars. So everybody's well aware now. We've talked about the weather and now we're talking about the Jet game. You know, it's uh, it's late Thursday night in Detroit. And the Jets against the down 16 to three to the Jaguars only have 49 yards rushing. So it's a similar performance. Against mm-hmm. another team on the rise, also at the Meadowlands, weather's worse out there mm. today than it was when the when the Lions and Jets played last Sunday. I don't know if that'll affect what you're going to talk about. No, I, well, look, I mean, this is this this isn't just a one week thing because we saw it. Uh, what they held Zonovan Knight to 23. He was their leading rusher at 23 yards. The week before, they held Dalvin Cook to 23 yards. He was their leading rusher and held the Vikings as a team to 22 yards. Uh, week before that, they held Etienne to like 54 yards or something along those lines. And so like this is a this is like a three week run here where they've been doing a really nice job holding down the, these uh, rushing attacks. Uh, this is important because of the team that's coming up who who prefers to uh, to run the, the football and so uh, being able to stop the run is an important thing. And, and they showed that they can do it against the Jets and and and, and the Vikings and, and the Panthers or the Jaguars the week before that. Also, Zach Wilson having a terrible game against the Jaguars. They, well, see, but the, the one thing about Zach Wilson's game last Sunday was yeah. he was just running around and he would chuck it, and it would be a completion. And, yeah. and that's what I thought was going to kill us. It's like, you know, he's not – they're not winning. The, and winning – to me, winning is winning. So I'm not – I'm not I'm not going to – this is not the point I'm going to make. What I'm going to end up saying is, like, he was just <laughs> running around and chucking the ball. He wasn't even doing it straight up. All right. You know, like the, the Lions – the Lions played, you know, very well in coverage. And even – they did have four sacks, but Wilson was able to, you know, create – which is, but he looked terrible otherwise. You know, right. I thought that was going to get the Lions the end. He's, he's just going to complete some crazy pass when he's going <laughs> to end up, you know, avoiding the rush and just firing something out there. But it didn't happen, <laughs> and that's good. And the Lions found yeah. a way to win ugly. Boy, he he threw a floater that that uh, Jerry Jacobs picked off. Man, that ball was up in the air. It looked like a punt. You know what I mean? Like he threw that that ball to the sidelines, like t- maybe twenty yards down the field. That ball just hung up there. That was a that was a pretty terrible throw. So I don't know. What do you what else do you want to mention about the Jets? Uh, that's it. I mean, like I said, it, it, the the big thing. You don't is, want to talk about Badgley sending Badgley out there to kick the field goal. Well, look, I, with Badgley, now you know his limit, right? You you thought it was fifty. You learned it wasn't fifty. Now it's 54 outdoors, right? Like maybe it's 54 indoors is still good, but 54 outdoors is probably his cap, especially in the cold, right? Kicking that ball in the cold is is very challenging. It's like a rock, right? And so um, you know where his cap is now. So uh, you now know when you absolutely have to go for it instead of just want to go for it. So you are not displeased with what Campbell did in that situation. No, I'm a look. It was very risky. I would rather have seen him 
do something different. Uh, 54 is a really long way in the cold. Um, in the end, you're okay with it because the end result was still good. Everything, but yeah. everything turned out yeah. all right. Yeah, and but it probably would have been something we would have been talking about if they would have lost for sure. Oh yeah, we would be be eating it. But that that's the thing. Like, what well, they could very well end up in that position again uh, on Saturday. They could yeah. end up in the position against the Bears or against the Packers. I think all three of those games are going to end up being close. And it's just if he would have went for it, they would have gotten seven yards better, worse field position if they didn't end up getting it. You know, if the Lions mm. don't get it, and so the Jets might might as well still score. Sure. Uh, they they could have converted it, or you know, Jared Goff could have thrown an interception that was returned for a <laughs> touchdown. Like, right. you know, yeah, everything turned out okay, but you know, it was a it was a very similar situation to the Viking situation, which yeah. Campbell said he wished he wouldn't have done, and now he ends up the exact same situation in the Jet game outdoors now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does it again. You know, and, and it's it is the question about Campbell. You know, like they they're playing for him, they love him there is an issue with him <laughs> that he's still trying to work out like when to yeah. be aggressive and when to play it safe. And, and we'll always second guess him. Like you said, you know, like if it works out great and if it's this bizarre call, nobody's going to call him out for it because it worked out. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's worth mentioning. We shouldn't just leave it out there. And in solid, it's such a terrible job at the end of the game on, you know, on his side, not calling timeouts and they, you know, lose three plays. And just when you see stuff like that, you think that you know, that old that that joke it's become a joke over the last fifteen years. They need to hire a kid who just plays <laughs> Madden all the time to, just, <laughs> to be shouting in his headset, you know, in any coach's headset, whether it's Campbell, whether you know it's Salah, all the way, even Bill Belichick now, just shouting like, "No, we take a timeout here. You have to take a timeout here. You know, like, <laughs> we're not going to leave timeouts on the board." Yeah, I mean, I, no, look. For me, it's it's all about learning, right? Like they they've still got to learn what to do, right? They've I don't know still... if they do. Because I think I, they do. Well, I, well, I'm okay. I'm all for learning, right? Mm-hmm. But they end up in these pressure packed situations, okay. right? And and Silas been around NFL football for almost twenty years now, right? And he's been around football his whole life. Yeah. And he's not getting, it. you know, obviously he didn't get it. And Sunday could be an aberration. Maybe he's great with the clock and I don't, I don't see him week in and week out, but like he screwed it up totally on Sunday mm-hmm. and he's paid millions of dollars a year to be an NFL head coach. And there's a certain point where it's like, maybe they should be voting at like, it should be all the coaches voting at like once. And it should be just shot into his earpiece. Like, Hey, all the coaches think you should call timeout right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there should be other like indicators that, that, that go off that like, cause the, these are things that get missed and it, there, there should be some too, like where he gets his 50 closest football friends that aren't involved with NFL teams that are, you know, they're guys he, he coached with are in the college ranks and are sitting around watching these <laughs> games on Sunday and they're all just voting. And it's just going right into his, into his headset saying, Hey, you need to think about doing this and maybe be like, Oh, you know, thanks for catching that guys. <laughs> it's hard to believe that they don't, you know, that this stuff happens all the time. We're, you know, we're idiots sitting at home yeah. and we're saying, why isn't he taking a time out? This is insane. You know, I don't know. No, I'm with you. Yeah, it worked out in the Lions' favor. That's uh, what it comes down to. Right. But it's um, bizarre when you watch it. Like, these are NFL head coaches. There's only 32 of these Jeffs. He he was uh, 
he was not happy with himself after the game. That's that's for certain. Uh, but look, I mean, look, he, we'll see if he learns from that. But like for for the for the Lions, they have to learn. Like they have to learn these situations. They have to learn to play outside. They have to learn to win on the road. They have to learn all these different things. And it gets easier when you stack these learning experiences in a positive way. So I'll take the ugly win. All right, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers game. Christmas Eve. Let's see if we uh let's see if uh, us as Lions fans that the package ends up being an above 500 football team. Mm. Um the, as you mentioned they traveled to Charlotte today. They are fa- they are favored by 3. Yep. What do That's you think fun. about that? I well, I, I, I know just... you're going to like it. <laughs> Should they be favored by 3? I think so. I think I think so. Like um when you break down the team, you know, when, when we break them down, like I, I like some of the matchups in this game. This is, this is a team that is closer to, uh, let's talk defense for a second. The, their defense is a lot closer to what you saw out of the Vikings and the Jaguars than you saw out of the Jets. Right. And so, I think that sets up for the opportunity for the Lions to get in back into an offensive rhythm and put up points. And then if it's a if it's a shootout, if the deep Lions defense doesn't hold up, if it turns into a shootout, I have full confidence that the Lions can outshoot the, the Panthers here. So um, I like how it sets up. So I, I think the Lions should be favored in this game. Yes. Fox game, Chris Myers, Robert Smith, and Jen Hale on the call. The referee is going to be Sean Hockley, the son of Ed Hockley, who you once portrayed on <laughs> Halloween to everybody's everybody's delight a good 15-plus years ago. <laughs> and we're the, um, the, the bodybuilder uh, fake muscle thing and then it, oh i thought it was a pro re- that was a bodybuilder whatever it was some pro wrestler get up whatever. it looked good with the referee shirt he, he, he nailed the look you you know and plus there's i don't know if there's any surviving photos i wouldn't have said you were nuts you could have said well i was really fit back then and i was huge so i just threw on a ref shirt that was really tight and it looked great instead of saying well i put on this little bodybuilder costume thing and you know then the tight ref shirt and he had the number 85 on it and everything i did i went with hockey number i went to i went to the details on not that. not surprisingly you went to the details <laughs> All right. uh yeah so sean yeah sean throws about 12 flags a game which is a little bit above average uh but it's actually the lowest amount that he has thrown over his career usually he's way above the average now he's a lot closer to the average so he's actually having a, a down year uh, maybe trending in the right direction. So hopefully clean game. I wonder if the league is kind of pushing on that. And I guess we're just not getting a lot of officials that throw a lot of flags, but these mm. numbers seem to be all low for the most part with the, these officiating crews. And maybe the NFL, maybe the league's trying to say, hey, let's not flag all over the place. Well, remember it was, it was at 12. The average was 12 earlier in the season and, and it's dropped. It's so moving. over, over, a whole bunch of those games to drop that number that low. It's, it means that it's down across the board. So that's good news. But also, because I'm also trying to think about that. It's coinciding with the fact that a lot of games are bad. 
Like the <laughs> quality of play has been bad this season. And maybe that's it too. It's like, well, let's speed these maybe. games up and maybe it gets a better quality <laughs> if the rhythm improves or whatever. Maybe there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of teams that are below 500. Yeah. And, and the, including these Panthers, but they're right in the middle of the playoff hunt themselves. Only one game back of the Buccaneers for first place in the NFC South. So that's, it's crazy to me, right? Because like, yeah, this happens that, every it does it, so. it, it does let um but so the bucks are six and five or six and eight everyone else in that division is five and nine so the saints the falcons the race the panthers all in the hunt um they could all lose this weekend too like you know i mean no, that's just the would, way it then is the bucks would be six and nine everybody would be five and ten and it's still a playoff right. race exactly still one game back. exactly i feel like this is gonna be a playoff race down the whole stretch too like i uh, nobody's playing well in this division. All right. So the, the Panthers weren't playing well at the beginning of the year. Started oh, one yeah. and four, fired Matt Rule, who's now at Nebraska. He's working on his first recruiting class there. Steve <laughs> Wilkes, former Cardinals head coach, he was promoted. He's now four and five. So they are playing better under Wilkes yeah. and put themselves back into contention. Yeah. Uh, so Wilkes took over in week five. Um, he kept. Uh, ben McAdoo as their offensive coordinator. Uh, McAdoo, another former head coach, who was head coach of the of the Giants uh, back in sixteen seventeen, and um, he they and then he but he fired their uh, defensive coordinator. Um, what's his name? Snow, uh, Phil Snow. Uh, Phil Snow was the architect of this defense and actually incorporated a lot of things that Wilkes kept. But Wilkes didn't know him. He was a, he was a, uh, it was a, a Baylor guy. Like he was, he was with Matt Rule the whole time, and so uh, Wilkes didn't really. I don't know if Wilkes trusted him or what the issue was, but he moved on from him. He took a linebackers coach, Al Holcomb, and promoted Al Holcomb to interim defensive coordinator. Now Holcomb and Wilkes, their time goes back a decade. Uh, back in 2013, they were um, both defensive position coaches for Carolina. Uh, Holcomb was a linebacker coach. Wilkes was the defensive backs coach. Wilkes eventually becomes Panthers defensive coordinator. And then he becomes Arizona's head coach, like you mentioned. When he was Arizona's head coach, it was Holcomb was his defensive coordinator, right? So, like, then when they leave Arizona, they both go to the Browns together, where uh, Wilkes is the D.C. and Holcomb's the linebackers coach. Holcomb comes back to Carolina, and then Wilkes joins them a couple years later, and now they're back in the situation again. So this is a pair, this is a duo that's been coaching together a long time. And so Wilkes and uh, Wilkes trust Holcomb's to, to call the plays, and um, you know they're basically trying not to reinvent the wheel with with Phil Snow's defense, but they're experienced coaches who have both been defensive coordinators before. And, um, so they're, they're, you know, they're making it work and they're, they're executing their defense. Now the defense has not been super efficient, um, DVOA, they're 20th, right? Uh, 21 against the pass, 21 against the run. So they're, but they're 20th as a defense overall, uh, they're going to have a, a hand, their handful with the lions lions DVOA for offense. Now six. Their passing offense is nine. Their running offense is 12. Like 
that's for the season too. That's not just like recent. That's for the season. They're six. They're they're a efficient and efficient offense. And when you match up against this defense, it's uh it's going to be interesting. So, um yeah, a lot of coaching changes, right? Now that's defensive side of the ball. On offense, it's it's even crazier, right? Because personnel changes. Yeah, go yeah yeah. Tell me about those. So Baker Mayfield, obviously the starting quarterback early on in the season, he was he was benched. Uh, in favor of P.J. Walker, who once famously shut out the Lions just a couple of seasons ago. But (laughs) Mayfield's benched, ends up getting released, ends up going to Los Angeles, and us Lions fans are all all well well aware of what he did. Get a (laughs) win in his first ever start. One of the more interesting quirks in NFL history, but came back down to earth last week. Yeah. Uh, So Mayfield's out. Walker's hurt. It's Sam Darnold. It's going to be under center for uh, right. the Panthers on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, benching Baker was one of the first moves that was made under when Wilkes took over, um, and then their GM uh, went on a little. Uh, you know, I'm willing to sell our offensive pieces off. Uh, traded Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Traded Roby Anderson to the Cardinals, and. Um, so they gave away a couple of their... good moves. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they end up getting uh they're gonna get some draft picks for it. And um, you know, but look, they when you take those two guys off the field, it takes two of your top three offensive players off the field, uh, makes McAdoo's job harder. McAdoo is not what I would call an offensive genius by any stretch. Uh McAdoo basically just run like McAdoo got his start as a Packers quarterbacks coach under Mike McCarthy back in like 2012, uh, eventually, you know, rises to OC for the giants, then head coach of the giants. And then he just, he gets run out of New York, um, out of the league for a couple of years, comes back as like the Jaguars quarterbacks coach and Dallas offensive assistant. And and he gets the OC job in Carolina this year. But not much has changed from what he does. He still runs a, a run-first offense that uses uh, 11 personnel, so three wide receivers, uh, one running back, one tight end. Um, he keeps the quarterback in the shotgun, doesn't run a lot of play action, and he basically just tries to pepper the intermediate and short zones and um, likes to run the ball, right? And and it's, it's not overly creative. So... Uh, Dante Foreman's going to get the ball a lot. Uh, Chuba Hubbard's going to get the ball a lot. Uh, and when they throw the ball, they're going to want to throw the DJ Moore, who's their best player now that, um, now that the everyone else is gone. So, um, they still got some good guys on the, on the team, of course, but they, they definitely are not the offense they were. Uh, DVOA on their offense is, uh, 29th, 30th in pass, 20th in rush. So even though they are a run-heavy team, they're still bottom half of the league in efficiency. All right, the draft for Carolina. This, this Carolina draft looks similar to what old Lions drafts looked like, where they get a <laughs> performer in the first round and then not much everything everywhere else. In the first round, six pick overall, left tackle. Ike McQuanu, who's a starter, he's the NC State guy. Who There was yep. talk about the Lions should take him at two, you know, like he might be the best player in the draft type of thing. And I'll be a good move that the lions didn't do it because uh, yeah. Taylor Decker's playing great. 
and uh, and Sewell Sewell, and he he's can, he hasn't had the most. He hasn't he hasn't been great great this season, but he's still only twenty one or twenty two, and yeah, he's, he's going to keep improving. Uh, yep. Third round, they took Matt Coral, another guy the lion that many Lions fans wanted to see the team. Yeah, take, but he's now on IR. Linebacker Brandon Smith in the fourth round, also on IR. In the sixth round, they had two picks. Edge, Amari Barno, who's their third-string defensive end. At 199, they took Cade Mays, an interior lineman, who's also a reserve. And in the seventh round, they took corner Kalen Barnes, who's no longer on the team. So very little production out of their draft class. Kind yeah, of it, very opposite of what the Lions get out of their draft class. These, these, are, these are guys we talked about, too. Like Brandon Smith was that Penn State linebacker. He got a lot of speed, sideline to sideline. Um, but very inexperienced, very raw. Now is on IR. Um, Barno has like a wicked first step, really good acceleration, but he's just, again, he's raw, not very experienced. Mays was a guy I liked guard out of uh, uh, Tennessee, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, a little bit surprised he lasts till the sixth round, but he hasn't really been able to, to, to break into their starting lineup. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, he, he gets, you know, they, they sometimes will utilize him uh, as like a blocking tight end type of thing, but it's uh, he, he doesn't get a whole lot of run right now. So again, it's, they're all like developing players except for uh Iquanu, right? Like he's the only guy who's was ready off the boat. Whereas, yeah, it's very much the opposite of what Brad's homes drafts have been where you're getting production out of like, like crazy production out of almost all of the, all the players. All right. Let's talk about the Panthers offense. You pointed out they're being led by Sam Darnold, the former USC and New York Jet product. Uh, he's completing less than 60% of his passes. You know, they, although he's got a gr- one great win to his name in, in his first game of his career <laughs> on Monday Night Football, right? Was that a Monday Night Football game against the Lions in Matt Patricia's debut? Yeah, they won forty-one to fourteen. So he has had some success against the Lions in his face. first first NFL throw, pick six to Quandre Diggs. That's right, but but then it then it totally turned around from there. Yeah, but he's been he, the two and one record ever since taking over. Yeah, but you know, again, this is a this is a heavy run first team, right? Um, and which they're he, going if. The weather's not great. I don't. Well, you said thirty nine and clear, so eh, they could be throwing in that weather. Um, he's he's got some good passing options, but he's just he's he's not. I mean, he's just he's an average quarterback at best. On on his best day, he's a, he's an average quarterback. So it doesn't really scare me a whole lot. Um, he's got a big arm, and uh, that's surely what's going to help him. Um, some mobility, but. He's not a quarterback that I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm about as worried of him as I am the Jets' current quarterback. The running back, Donta Foreman, former te- Texas product, who's stepped in ever since the trade of McCaffrey, and he's been good. He's been a fantasy starter, except for you know the game against Pittsburgh. He only had nine yards rushing, but you know in in the he's had five hundred. No, he's had four hundred yard rushing games. He hasn't been terrible. Yeah, and his his backup is uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard from Oklahoma State. Um, 
And, and he was the hot hand against Pittsburgh. And so he saw like 60% of the snaps or 63 or something like that. So he saw almost twice as many snaps as Foreman did. And, and so that's why Foreman's numbers were down. And that's kind of what is to be expected from this offense is that if they're starting to get production out of one guy, they're going to lean on that one guy. Um, they also have Rasheem Blackshear, but he only gets a handful of touches. It's mainly uh, Hubbard and Foreman. Um, Foreman's more power. Hubbard's a little bit more wiggle. But, um, yeah, if you recover, both both, both were product, very productive in college. And uh, guys that just didn't go, uh, didn't go in the draft uh, very early. All right. The wide receiver group, as you mentioned, DJ Moore is their best player. Uh, the, Terrence Marshall and Shai Smith. Marshall's left by Robbie Anderson. Yeah, Marshall's pretty good. He's up and comer, second round pick from um a couple years ago. Uh actually last year, 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um he actually he contributed in a fantasy win I had this season when I had a nice. had a lot of trouble and needed to pick him up for a <laughs> Um yeah, and, and she smiths, I don't know, I'm not again. They're, they're wrote, they basically roll with Moore and Marshall most of the time, and then they'll mix in Chenault and, and Smith. They do have um, LaVishka Chenault from uh, yeah. from, from Jacksonville. They, yep, they traded for him. Um, and then I believe they have uh, Richard Higgins as well, right. who's done do a whole lot. I'm not – I don't know. They, they use Smith a little bit more, but um, I'm not really worried about him – I do like the the more Marshall combination, but again, good receivers with an average to bad quarterback, uh, you can you know you're gonna you're they're gonna make some plays, but it's it's gonna be in spite of the quarterback and instead of because of the quarterback. Who's gonna handle DJ Moore in the Lions secondary? I think it'll be Akuda. I think that's the way they'll roll it out. The thing is, is Jerry just continues to ask for tougher matchups. Right. Um, there was a story this week uh, about Jerry where he asked to be on the punt return unit and he asked to block against the Jets best uh, special teamer. And he was and he threw a key block on that Khalif uh, Raymond punt return. And that's because Jerry is always hungry to match up against somebody that maybe he shouldn't. And then he ends up having good games because he has a ton of confidence and he, and he, and he steps up his level. He levels up his game. So um, I, I do think it'll be a kudon more though. All right. The, uh, what would that, would that leave Marshall? That's yeah. Marshall and Jacobs. Um, yeah, probably. Tight ends. Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, Giovanni Ricci. Um, and then they have Steven Sullivan too. They got, they roll all four of those guys. Um, mostly Tremble and Thomas. Um, is is Sullivan from Indiana? Do they have two Indiana tight ends? Because Ian Thomas is. I was um, I was too zoned in on Giovanni Ricci because I think he went to Western Michigan. <laughs> oh, um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm clicking. <laughs> um, I got uh, sucked in. Tremble Tremble tends Tremble and Thomas tend to be their their feature guys, but. Um, I don't think any of these guys are really good. They just, they, they lean on, they'll use all four of them. Like I said, Tremble went to Notre Dame. Thomas went to Indiana. 
Yeah. And Stephen Sullivan. That could be an Indiana name. But we'd be lying. He went to LSU. Oh, God. Okay. All right. I don't know why I had that in my head. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, none the of them put out good... standout. Yeah, they, they they yeah. None of them are putting out stand up numbers, standout numbers that the Lions will be focused more on the receivers. Yep. And the run game. All right. The uh offensive, offensive line. line left to right. I'm sorry. I don't I don't know why I lost it there. <laughs> the Kwanu, we talked about it left tackle. Brady Christensen at left guard, Brady Bose, Bradley Bozeman at center, Austin Corbett at right guard, Taylor Moten from Western Michigan. He's the right tackle. Yeah. Um, Pat Elflon, the Ohio State product, was their starting center. He got hurt uh, in week six, and um, that's when they turned to Bozeman. Um, Corbett isn't playing as well as he did in LA. He's been playing better recently, but um, he was much better in LA. Bozeman's average. uh, Christensen, I think, is a bit below average right now. In my opinion, he might be playing out of position. If you recall, I believe he was the, um, I believe he played at BYU as their left tackle, and they've kind of kicked him into guard. And I, I never really liked him inside. I liked him more outside, but um, he's underperforming in my opinion. Um, and, and Mot- but Moton's really good. Uh, so, and then, so they've got really nice bookend tackles, uh, that they're going to be able to lean on in the future. Uh, but I do think that interior line needs a little work when Elf, if Elfline's there, the Elfline Corbett combination helps, but, um, I don't think Christian's Christensen's playing up to par. Having a good left tackle, right tackle and center is a, uh, is a nice recipe for building a building a squad. That's what we got going here. Absolutely. All right, we're going to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I, well, wait. So we got a rookie matchup here: left tackle okay. and uh, and def- de- however you want to line it up. We got Hutchinson. We got Equanu. Yeah, that's going to be fun, right? Both top six picks, right? So. Who wants um, to make the other look worse more? Yeah, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be hard for Iquanu because like you 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 can't make a mistake or you're gonna get or it's gonna look like you know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? So anytime Hutchinson makes any noise, it's gonna look like he's winning the battle, right? Um it's it offensive line may have a have a tough job in that in that aspect. But uh yeah, I don't know. I wonder I it, it's not like you can move Hutch to the other side to try and get a better matchup either, because Moton's really good as well. Good so. as well. Yeah. But you know, John Kaminsky, he's not bad himself. And re- correct. Like, really, when you look at the, the defensive improvement, it's a lot of it has been because John Kaminsky and Jerry Jacobs have been in the lineup. That's how, when the defense has really improved. It's just by having both of those guys available. And I guess we do have to stop for a moment because Eric was dying there. Maybe this will get him to relax because I think he's still a little bit, uh, still a little I on was edge. Coughing. I thought yeah. we were going to lose him. I'm like, am I going to have to call 911? And his house? He, was, he was changing color. And, uh, I don't know what to do here. Sorry about that. 
I started don't coughing. Don't apologize to me. There's no apologizing <laughs> necessary. I just say we started to get a little choppy. And, you know, <laughs> you're trying to regain your breath and I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to, you okay? And, and we kind of lost it there. Well, you know what? I was, uh, I was taking cough medicine uh, earlier in the week. So uh, I thought I'm, I'm past that now. So I'm not, I'm not loopy because of it. I just caught a, caught a weird tickle in my throat there and started coughing so well that's Apologies. what I, I thought you put you drank, well, some water mm. went down the wrong pipe that, that, <laughs> that's what i thought it was when i saw you going like i wasn't eating anything i don't think you know okay got anything i just i just i don't like i'm trying to get past this cold <laughs> all right well that's sorry about the choppiness <laughs> all right that's enough about that all right flipping over the defensive side of the ball defensive line brian burns Pro yeah. bowler, pro bowl starter at defensive end. He's going to see a lot of Taylor Decker, right? The Der- oh, Derek, yeah. Derek Brown is a guy I liked back yeah. when uh, he was he was draftable. Back was probably like 2019 already. 2020. Uh, 2020, okay. Matt yeah. Ioannidis at the other defensive tackle spot. Yutir Gross Matos from Penn State at the other defensive end. Yeah, Brown, um, Brown he'll play a little head up right over Frank. And so he'll try and get um, – so so the way their scheme works is they run like a 4-2-5, uh, so, so a lot of nickel heavy, but then they'll adjust guys around uh, if they – depending on the matchups that they want to get done. Uh, but one of their, one of their uh, go-to things is to try and bring up one of their back seven guys – on the line of scrimmage to show like a five on the line of scrimmage look. Sometimes it's a linebacker. Uh, sometimes it's uh, Jeremy Chin, who we'll talk about in a minute. But they'll try and bring these five guys uh, to to try and match up against your right over your five offensive linemen. And the reason they do that is because they're trying to get one-on-one matchups so you can't double team their superstars so what ends up happening is you get Derek brown right over the center a ton and he's a big boy uh who's got a lot of strength and so most of the time your centers in the nfl are, are not very big and so um he ends up having a big advantage over them the difference here is that Frank is a pro bowler and he's six, five and he's three thirty. you know what I mean? Like Frank's a, Frank's a big boy and he, and he's smart and he understands leverage and he is dealing with that foot injury. So he, he's going to have to work through some stuff, but at the same time, Frank is going to be a better heads. He's going to be a better matchup for Brown than maybe Brown's faced all year because he's normally going to have the advantage over the center. And I don't think he's going to have that advantage over Frank here. So, uh, Burns, like you said, is going to draw Decker uh, more often than not, but he will flip to the other side and he'll draw Sewell as well. But again, that combination of that tackle-tackle center is a strength-on-strength strength matchup between their best two players on defense versus the Lions' best players on offense, right? And so this is this is where you make your noise if you're the Lions' offense. If, you, if your superstar offensive lineman can stunt – there's two superstar defensive linemen, then you're going to have time for golf and golf can take advantage of the secondary. So this is where the game will be won right here. 
Backing up Burns, Marquise Haynes Sr. He's got four sacks on the air worth mentioning. Yeah, they'll also have uh, Henry Anderson, and then we mentioned Barno earlier uh, about the, when we went through the rookies. Uh, they're all okay. They're all average backups. They're not as good as the starters. Um, and then their interior backups are not anything to write home about either, right? So uh, depth on this team is is overall not very great. Linebacking core, Shaq Thompson, Damian Wilson, Frankie Louvu. Uh, so it's their linebacking core is a collection of players that can do more than one thing, right? Um, Shaq Thompson is undersized. He's like six foot, 230. Um, when he came into the league, he came into, into the league as a will. Uh, then in the Panthers scheme, he actually was even shifting out over the slot a lot. And he was being like their kind of big slot cover guy. Now he's playing the Mike in this system. And basically he is their version of Anzalone where he's a smart linebacker who can be aggressive, who's a good tackler. And uh, he doesn't mind being physical, even though, even if he's a little bit undersized um, comparatively. So uh, Shaq's the main guy that they're going to identify. Luvu is there. Uh, more of like a hybrid guy. He can play off the ball, but if they want to put a linebacker up on the line to go five on the line, that's the guy they're going to put on the line. And then they might bring like Corey Littleton off the bench to be the other off the ball type of guy. Um, so when they want to go to more of like that three, four look, uh, Luvo shifts down um, to the edge. And then other, the other times he's going to play off the ball. Luvo and Thompson are pretty much on the field the whole time. They'll just move them around depending on what look they're trying to get. Cornerbacks, C.J. Henderson, J.C. Horn. Um, Horn is fantastic, right? Like he's first round pick from 2021. Um, so they used their 2019 first round pick on Brian Burns, their 2020 pick on first round pick on Derek Barnes, their 2021 pick on J.C. Horn, right? excuse me again um horn's really good he is elevating he is by far the best player in their secondary cj henderson was another first round pick by the jacksonville jaguars uh started out really hot like he was a guy who people were like gushing over uh and then he just fell off the cliff and jacksonville got tired of him and they traded him um he he was uh not starting here in carolina until uh, Dante Jackson got hurt. When Dante Jackson got hurt, Henderson got pushed into the starting lineup. He's been dealing with an injury, uh, but he'll be he should be good to go for this game. He'll be should be back as a starter. So on paper, they've got two first round corners, uh, but really Henderson is not as good as, as his draft status, and not as good as he was at the beginning of his career for certain. Um, it gets a little trickier. Like the depth isn't that great either. Um, but then when you get to like uh, their nickel players and their safety players, then then they start to expand out a little bit. But Horn is really their uh, the best player on the team on their in their secondary. He's the guy that they need to uh, pay attention to. Safeties: Xavier Woods and Jeremy Chin. Now Chin is their hybrid, right? Chin's going to be their nickel. He's also going to be a safety. Um, 
So a lot of the time what you're going to see is their starting two corners on the outside are going to be Horn and Henderson. And then their starting safeties are going to be Woods and Chin. But when they want to go into nickel, they're going to bring on Miles Hartsfield at safety, and then they're going to shift Chin into the slot. They will also shift Chin down to the line of scrimmage, and they'll let him play like a defensive end type of spot. Um, he's 6'3", 221, so he's basically like the same size as like a linebacker, right? So he's going to play at all three levels of the defense, and he's going to play uh, from side to side uh, in the defense as well. He's going to play in the slide. He's going to play deep. He's going to he's going to play all over the field, and so he's there. He's their secret weapon. He makes a lot of what they want to do work. The problem is he hasn't been very good this year. He's 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 he was really good uh in 20 his rookie season in 2020. He's had a bit of a bad a down step this year. The defense as a whole hasn't been great. I think he's he's still a really good player, so he, he's going to flash at times. Uh, but he's been a little bit more hesitant, which leads to him being a little bit less physical, and that um that leads to him like getting out of position or, or maybe getting like uh, put in bad spots. And then when he doesn't add that physicality to it, he, he ends up, you know, putting himself in, uh, in situations where he costs the team. And so it's a, uh, he's a really, really good player who's just not playing very well at this moment. So how's, how's the chin St. Brown matchup going to work? That's the thing is they're going to do, they do a whole bunch of different things because of how they use chin. Um, sometimes he's going to be over St. Brown or sometimes he may float to another spot and they'll drop another safety over St. Brown. If they want to use a line, a safe, like a, I'm sorry, a corner, their corner nickel corner is TJ Carey and he's not good at, not very good at all. And so most of the time, what it's going to be is you're going to have a safety on St. Brown. You're going to have it's either going to be Chin or one of the other two safeties. And so for St. Brown, the technician that he is in his routes, he should be able to uh create his openings. Now, Chin again is he's very athletic. And so he's going to have an athleticism advantage over St. Brown. But St. Brown's technical prowess, his ability to get open, all those things that St. Brown does, um, they really don't have an answer for that. From from an athleticism standpoint, yeah, but that's about where the buck stops. All right, kicking game. Eddie Pinheiro is the kicker. Uh, he's making 93% of his field goals. They don't use them much past 50 yards, though, only two for two on the season there. And yeah. that long is 54 yards. He also handles kickoff duty. About half of his kicks go for touchbacks. It is all right. It's, it's pretty good, but not great. And Johnny Hecker is the punter. He's uh, one of the all-time greats. Uh, yeah. And this season, though, just you know, 44 yards kick. Uh, almost half of his kicks are inside the 20-yard line. He hasn't had any blocks. He's had four touchbacks. Probably not his greatest season. The thing about Hecker is that, um, like Jack Fox, he's got an arm on him. So you always have to be conscious of a, of a fake because uh, he can chuck that ball. All right. The return men. Uh, Smith is returning punts. 
and they'll have Raheem Blackshear returning kickoffs. Blackshear is really good. You got to be conscious of him. Uh, if I'm the Lions, I'm probably kicking it out of the end zone, uh, which they've been doing more and more of late. Uh, again, Smith, I'm not overly worried a, about him on punts. Uh, as a whole, they're ninth in DVOA. Uh, Lions are eighth. So uh, I don't think you're going to get a lot of uh, opportunities on special teams either way, um, whether the Lions are kicking or, or returning. And, and vice versa. It's it should be some uh, some tight matchups on special teams. Long snapper is JJ Jansen. So that's it. That's that's the Panthers uh roster there. And we gotta talk about who do we think is gonna win this game. Well, I think first of all, we should address the fact that um you beat me again uh by one point again, which I'm extraordinarily disappointed about the the one point games that I've lost to you this year. There are breakers. They've, they've gotten me. And um, because of that, you have won the season. I can't catch you at this point. The season is over Uh, with two ties and three, one score losses, one point losses. I, uh, I have been on the wrong end of all the breaks. You've been season, getting better so. though. You're getting well, you're getting there. Next season's gonna be your season. <laughs> for whatever it's reason, gonna, it's gonna be hard for me to pick them to go 14 and 3. So you're gonna have a <laughs> you're gonna have a good shot. Um so this week there's you know, no we don't have to get fancy or anything like that. We just pick the way we want to pick. Uh I'm I'm guessing you have to pick the Lions since uh your streak is still going. Is it really a street? I mean, because I was wrong once because I did you pick, were, the, pick beat the Bills too, but you were wrong once. But I, I think everyone counts that Bills loss as almost like a push. So they shouldn't. <laughs> loss is a loss. Um I I hope the luck doesn't run out yet. It's tough to win on the road, and this is a big ask for them yeah. to go out and win. I uh, beat the Giants, go to New York, and not the Giants, beat the Jets. Yeah. Well, they beat the Giants on the road too. So it was that. Yeah. That's how many road wins in a row has that been for the Lions? So that's three. So three in a row. Yeah, we, we have four road wins in a row for a team that you know maybe would win one a season. In their <laughs> in their last seven games, the only game they lost was at home. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I'm gonna pick them because the Panthers, not the greatest roster. You know, and the but they'll have a shot at winning. It's going to be close. It's going to be similar to the Jet game. I'll have the Lions win twenty three to twenty. I am not as confident in the Panthers' ability to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think like when you when you break it down and you look at like how they've been winning and 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 the fact that they've been able to go four and five with Wilkes like. There's definitely a chance. Like they definitely yeah, could well, pull it together. Fighting for the playoffs, just exactly, like the Lions exactly. Are. At the same time, I don't like the way they match up. Uh, their their best two defenders are pinned up against your best offensive linemen, and then you can avoid their corner just like you did Sauce last week if you wanted to, and then 
you can just kind of go after the defense. Now it's a, it's a, it's a it's a hybrid exotic defense, so you're going to have to be conscious. But as long as the offensive line holds up, Goff should have time to make his reads. And so I do think they're going to I think they're going to score points. I mean, um, and I am not fully confident that the, that the Panthers are. Um, I'm going to go with a bigger win than the point spread and a much bigger win than you. And I'm going to call 31-21 for the Lions. Yeah, I'm calling a big 10-pointer. Christmas gifts. Two points. Now, here's the crazy thing. If certain things fall a certain way, the Lions, by the end of Saturday, could be in the playoff, in in the wild card spot. Like, you would need uh, a handful of things in order to make it happen. And I didn't pull the article up, and I probably should have. Uh, but, like, if you, if the Seahawks lose, yeah. um, then – and I believe the other one is the – The Commanders would need The Commanders, lose. right. So if the Commanders lose and the Seahawks lose and the Lions win, then they are – Basically, I think they jump those those spots, right? Don't they? Right. To, well, yeah. Okay. Because currently the Commanders are mm-hmm. seven, six, and one. So if they lose, they drop the seven, seven, and one. And it's the Lions. If the Lions win, they'll be eight and seven. So they'll be ahead of the Commanders by math. Same thing with yep. the the Seahawks. Seahawks would drop to there seven and eight, and the Lions would be eight and seven. If if they if the Seahawks win, if they're both eight and seven, or if they're both seven and eight. Seahawks have the edge due to the head-to-head win, whereas the Lions would have the edge on the Commanders, but due to that tie, that's never going to really come into play unless the Lions end up tying a game. So they, they could get themselves into a into a spot, right? And then if the same kind of thing like plays out, right? Like the following week, like the, they're, they don't have really easy matchups. Like the Seahawks are playing the Chiefs, right? Like they're probably not going to win that game. Yeah, right? you never know. I mean, the Chiefs have already won the AFC West, you know, and I know they probably would rather they could still lock up the one seed and get a bye, yeah. so they still yeah. have something to play for. But at the same time, yeah, they they could end up blowing that game. It teams would lose weird games throughout the year. They know? do, they do. But it's I think the Chiefs are very heavily favored in that, right? And then the, the Commanders have the 49ers, which is. <laughs> Not an easy win either, right? So both Seahawks and Commanders are on the road, right? And so, like, it sure is setting up that those two might lose this weekend. And if they do, and if the if the Lions beat the Panthers, boy, oh boy, they're they would not be in the hunt; they would be in the mix, right? And so that would be uh that would be a big step in the right direction. Now you don't think this was this is the way I think that we're gonna have a we're gonna have a little split here. There's something else looming. There's a team that plays on Sunday at 1 p.m. They travel to Miami. And if they get a win down in Miami, they'll be seven and eight. And they'll be still, even if the Lions win, they'll still be one game behind the Lions and they'll be playing that last game at Lambeau Field on the front. Isn't this something like say the Lions if the Lions lose Saturday and the Packers win? They'll be yeah. tied in the standings. And we sit here all season, like, look how terrible the Packers are. It doesn't matter. They're tied with the Lions. If one thing, ha- if, if two things go their way this, this weekend, which they easily could. Well, they, uh, they got to beat and, the Dolphins, though. 
That's and well, they got it's not an easy task, but you know. And then they have the Vikings after that, right? Well, that's so, an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Packers have a couple of tough games ahead of them. Um, and then they have the Lions, right? I mean, like it they have three I tough know, games. But hopefully so, that one doesn't mean a whole lot. Well, look, here's the deal. If if the commanders lose to the Niners and the Browns because they play the Browns next week. Mm-hmm. And then the Seahawks lose to the Chiefs and then the Seahawks lose to the Jets. Mm-hmm. If the Lions beat the Panthers and the Lions beat the Bears, they're in. It doesn't even matter what happens in Green Bay. Oh boy. So, yeah, it's for... not going to happen. Like so <laughs> it's got all it's all going to matter at Lambeau. That yeah, that's fine. Game. That's fine. I'm not scared of them. I uh their offense has been clicking, but you know what? You beat them before you beat them again. I, uh, I, I, I said this on the other podcast. I would like it, you don't you don't remember the games that don't have implications to them. The games that you remember are the games that have meaning. The games that it's like you got to do something to to get to that next level. You got to get through it. This is it. I want it. I want it to mean. I want it. I'm okay if it means something because that is how you next level up again. So, uh, look, they could wrap it up before then. So we'll, we'll see. They gotta, they gotta win this weekend though. They, they don't win this weekend, then it becomes a whole different ball game, right? Right. So, uh, take care of business, and uh, they'll find themselves in a good spot. Well, I certainly hope they do. We'll see what happens on Saturday. And so don't forget that, everybody listening, that they're, they they don't play Sunday, they'll play Saturday. And I think that's it. I don't know. Do you have anything to add? Um, No, I don't think so. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they play on Saturday so that uh, I can stay married. Because if they played oh, on well. Sunday, I would I would be in trouble. You'd be away um, from the family. Yeah, that would not work. If it was a home game in a Sunday, I would be in trouble. Uh, but so I'm glad, and hopefully uh, everyone else gets to enjoy the 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 Saturday game too. Uh, I know. So, you know, I, I think the Lions can can deliver a present for everybody. Uh, a couple of new ratings. Uh, on the apple podcast from crazy captain nemo and from nick cyr11 so that's great thanks to both of them they were very nice reviews uh bumped us up over 430 we're at 431 i don't have the information on spotify spotify has been moving a lot and hey thanks for that thanks for rating us on spotify we really appreciate that you're up to 153 now so that's great and if you haven't rated thanks for listening anyways and tell someone if you enjoy it that much and maybe they'll like to listen to us talk about the lions too. And that's it. That's all we got for this week. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever, whatever you're celebrating over this weekend. And until next time, let's go lions.